0: You are listening to Waffle the Bite-Sized Podcast with Paul Jenkins, first broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 5th of April, 2020. In this episode, Paul speaks to teacher, writer and vegan restaurateur, Laura Chepner. paul jenkins
1: here for the weekend wind down and as usual this time of the evening it's our waffle segment now if you remember correctly what we do at this time of the week is that we invite an author uh, or somebody who does uh, works with words for a living somebody who writes uh, somebody who generally is communicating with all of us Uh, and that could be performers or it could be somebody who works on websites whatever we invite them to talk to us about words and about about how those words come about we haven't been able to have anyone in the studio for a while now and that's that's led me to be doing lots and lots of phone interviews and with very little technology to be able to do so occasionally it has sounded a little bit like people were stuck up the side of a mountain talking into a tin can on a piece of string that I'm then bouncing off of goodness knows what this week I think I managed to solve it I managed to get in contact with Laura Chepner who's based in Ramsbottom uh, and uh, we had a fantastic chat all afternoon yesterday Uh, this is uh, some of the best bits of what we talked about Uh, here's Laura talking about her new book. Welcome to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. It's Paul Jenkins here with Waffle Hour and you are tuned in to The Weekend wind down. I have the immense pleasure this afternoon of being joined on the phone by Laura Chepner. Hello Laura, are you there?
0: Hello Paul thank you
1: for having me. Oh it's absolutely fantastic to talk to you. Uh, as, I've, uh, as I've mentioned we are, we are running technology through speakers, into phones, through wires and all sorts, bouncing <laughs> I think we're bouncing off three satellites to do this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well oh, i'm even happier to be doing it for you
1: exactly that nothing will stop us talking um <laughs> to, to, now we've known each other for, for for quite a few years now but uh, obviously for for our listeners at home uh do, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself first of all because I, I know you uh, partly as a friend but also as a campaigner uh and and that's partly where some of your work to do with your book has come from so i think it's probably an idea to maybe give us a bit of background about the kind of stuff that you've done with your life before before you got to writing books
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, I think you were actually one of the very first people who I met uh, when I moved to Sunny Ramsbottom. Oh, I see. Um, and I and I definitely moved to the town thinking what would be the easiest way to make friends? I know, <laughs> I'll go into politics. Good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I I I met you and then realized, oh actually it's kind of the best way to probably uh, lose friends, hate and alienate people or something. <laughs> exactly. <situation. laughs> yeah, we
1: we lost so many friends along the way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so many. Um but yeah, I mean, uh, when I when I moved to Ramsbottom as well, I was a full-time working primary school teacher as well. So we had that in common. Um, uh, moved here and then became a parent, and um, and after that uh, became vegan. And all of my interests—the politics, the veganism, the being a parent and a school teacher, plus being a resident of Ramsbottom—all kind of spiraled into one uh, one one well, me i guess
1: yeah. and 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 what drives me every day and and th- as some of that led you into it was partly in in terms of your you had a change of career from because you mentioned your teaching which i think we'll come come back to probably later on in the in the interview but uh, you actually uh you became your business for for quite a long while
0: um yeah that's right so um yeah i was the uh Coordinator for special needs when I worked uh, as a primary school teacher, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it was a really brilliant and fulfilling role. Mm. Um, but then, um, which we'll probably come to a bit later, when I became vegan, I realised that certain things were clashing my kind of my ethics and the things that I was teaching. Um, and so I just kind of thought, what could I do to kind of propel veganism and, and teach everybody what that is, and, and be the best kind of educator in that respect. Um, And I didn't think it was going to be in the classroom. So I opened a restaurant instead. That's what Um, you do. You
1: go from being a teacher to opening a restaurant.
0: (laughs) I thought, you know, I was a supervisor in a restaurant whilst I was doing my BA in primary education. It is easy. Um, So, yeah, I jumped two feet first into opening kind of, um, well, I think it was in Bury, the first vegan restaurant, and especially in a kind of meat and two veg kind of town, uh, such as Ramsbottom. It was a real challenge. Um, but it was lots of fun at the same time. And mm-hmm. you had your book lunch there, which was lots of fun. Oh, we did. So I got, <laughs> to, <laughs> I got to witness some uh, some great, great stuff and meet some great people. Um, so that kind of propelled me into the world of business, um, which was fun um, and lasted a couple of years. But um, I just think once you're a teacher, you're always a teacher. And this niggling thing in the back of my head just kept coming back to me as if to say, you know, the skills that you've had from bec- being both a company director of a restaurant and also being a teacher and a coordinator Um it just kind of, yeah, just kept niggling at me, and so so I started primary of
1: education. So primary of education is is what came out of this. Uh, now that's that's uh, as as sort of one took off, the the, the restaurant uh, sort of ended its ended its time. But actually, that's there's there's quite a legacy I think in the, in terms of the, the local area now, in terms of the the actual menus of the rest of the because obviously Ramsbottom's is known as quite a foodie town, isn't it? But yeah. I mean, oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah, no. I was. I was going to say, you want to tell us about sort of some of the effects that it it had on the on the the other businesses about the way they changed their menus. I think it was amazing.
0: Sure. I mean, one of the reasons that I went for the restaurant idea was because whenever I went out into my beloved Ramsbottom with my husband to eat, I just kept having the offer of either dry baked beans on a dry toast or <laughs> dry baked beans on dry jacket potato. And that was pretty much it. Um, and, you know, the shops where we live are in an L shape and there were two butchers, one on each. So it yeah. gives you the no idea of what it's like. And But now, I mean, you know, a few years later, because um, I think I opened it in about 2015, it was, yeah. um, maybe even before that, Um yeah there were no vegan options anywhere at all and now pretty much it's everywhere it was yeah we, I mean
1: I remember you were getting quite you were getting national coverage on on a lot of things
0: Yeah yeah very much so I mean as well the fact that it was um people would sometimes come into the restaurant which I designed in a very 1920s gatsby vintage kind of way mm. and they would they would ask me you know what's vintage Gatsby got to do with veganism and I'm saying like, nothing they're just two things that I like yeah and um, so I didn't want to restrict myself to um having one kind of cuisine one kind of flavor it was food from all around the world loads of different fusions um and chocolates and cakes and sweets and all sorts really just to show the breadth of what um what plant-based food could look like really and um I was really really proud of the fact that you know, during its kind of um, existence, loads of people reached out to me and said that they took the leap to veganism off the back of it. So, So that's kind of was my aim initially, you know, how can I teach people? What can I show people? How can I educate people? And so I think it Tick those boxes it most definitely had a lot did, of fun. It did.
1: <laughs> and it was it was it was absolutely a talking point from across the town i think i think for for, for the whole time it was there uh, now you you mentioned uh, primary of education which is what we're going to come on to uh, just after the next music break so we'll we'll pin that for a second and uh, you're, we're going to go for your first music choice now if that's okay uh, yeah. so that's uh, you've chosen fat larry's band and zoom
0: yeah i have that is the first dance that my husband and i had at our wedding oh wow (laughs) um see that's not that's not a
1: sloppy song in the in the you'd usually expect it's a it's a quite it's quite an upbeat number considering it's a first dance
0: well we uh we just wanted to be able to go for it and just really have a good dance it's the kind of people that we are um we just love to have a lot of fun together um and it's just made me laugh a lot recently with the lockdown and everything everybody's talking about zoom 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 because everybody's (laughs) trying to connect with one another and i was just thinking oh the amount of people who must just want to be throttling their other halves at the moment because they're stuck together and and then i hear zoom and think of zoom and it's just it's just grounding me and just making me realize that i'm very lucky to be shacked up with my husband at the moment and (laughs) there's nobody else i'd rather be shacked up with so um so zoom zoom is yeah is the choice i just think it's an amazing song and obviously it has the happy memories from our marriage as well as the uh the relevance to the lockdown so Fantastic. i hope everyone enjoys it okay then
1: well this is our first choice this is fat larry's band with zoom at home in the office in the car wherever you are you can listen to 104.7 rossendale radio listening to the weekend wind down it's paul jenkins with the waffle hour i've been talking to laura chepner and in the first part of our interview uh, we spoke about laura's uh, previous experience working running a re- vegan restaurant uh, and being a teacher but uh, it's her book that we really needed to get onto and that's what we talked about next welcome back to rossendale radio it's 104.7 the voice of the valley i'm paul jenkins and this is the waffle segment uh, we've been talking to laura chepner on the phone uh, and we've been uh, speaking in the first part of the interview about the you kind of backgrounds uh, uh particularly around vegan issues and you took that one step further by setting up your own company and now you've you've written a book that's that's why we're talking to you this afternoon uh because this is our obviously our books and words hour um but uh, I mean wh- what did that what was that kind of leap in the journey how did that come about
0: so um as i mentioned um earlier i became a parent and um, As much as I was enjoying the trials and tribulations of being a restaurateur, um, due to ill health, that kind of had to come to its natural end. And um, it was just about the exact same time that my daughter started primary school. And... On her very first day of school, we went in and something in the back of my brain was just thinking, are oh, they going to have food for her? You know, we they know we're vegan. We've said it. We've mentioned it. But actually, are they going to? So I just popped into the reception. Hello, I'm Lois's mum from year one. Blah, blah. Oh, no food. Right. OK. okay. And I just found myself in this situation where... My daughter's in school and she's not going to be fed today. And it just kind of really struck a nerve with me because having been the coordinator for children for special needs, it was my job within the school to ensure that every single child could access learning, every single child was valued, and that every single child mattered. And I'd spent a long time practicing being really, really good at that. So it really annoyed me that my daughter for reasons of compassion, wasn't being fed. And I guess just your average Joe I may have just sat back and taken that. But um, as we've previously discussed, you know, I'm, I'm in the world of politics and, <laughs> and I'm a business owner. You're and, not one for sitting know. on your
1: hands and not doing anything. That's my experience.
0: No, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes. <yeah>. So, <laughs> so instead of just kind of accepting that this was the way it was, I realised veganism is growing. We're a huge movement. There's a lot more of us every day and that really this is an issue that should be made. um, It should be brought to the forefront of conversation in education. And so basically what primary education is, um, is just me, but I am... I speak to schools about vegan inclusion so vegan parents who feel as though their children aren't being catered for um, both academically and in the sense of uh, menus. Um, I go in and I speak to the staff and I speak to kitchens and Mm -hmm. I've spoken to councils and what I basically do is I just just inform teachers about what veganism is and why they should take it into account, why Mm -hmm. they should Care about the child's perspective um, with regards to veganism and why they should be fed and the fact that schools might be breaching the Human Rights Act Mm. if they don't feed uh, vegan children properly. And so what I basically do is I just become strength to parents or strength to students who just feel as though they should be catered to and aren't
1: i think that's the thing is that is that from uh, from the, po- the point of view it's it's almost about it's understanding the situation in the same with with everything else it's not that you're going in saying this is how you should be doing things this it's more that saying that these are the opportunities that actually you afford to everybody so therefore that needs to include everybody doesn't it it's it's not so much yeah yeah it's not it's not you're going in campaign on that and the, and i think you've from that this is where your recent book launches has come from isn't it that you've you've taken this and put it down almost as a guide for for teachers and parents Um, that's exactly
0: right yeah thanks for coming back to the book let's let's get your plug away (laughs)
1: this is what we're all about
0: It's 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 one of those catchy titles. Um, <laughs> it's called an educator's guide for vegan inclusive teaching.
1: <laughs> that, I mean, that, that's, that that leaps off the shelf.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's um, but you know it does exactly what it says on the tin. Exactly. It's, a, it's a guidebook. It's it's no nonsense. It's not judgmental. It's not um, you should do this. You should do that in any way, shape, or form. It is simply just full of suggestions mm-hmm. about you know basically you know the vegan child looks at the world through very different eyes to the majority they feel that animals should not be used or abused in any way shape or form so when you teach about things like the farm or the zoo or the aquarium Mm -hmm. just take into you know just take into account the fact that that child may be uncomfortable yeah but instead of just saying do not do it it's a guidebook so I provide lesson plans and alternatives and information about natural habitats. And because and I understand that teachers are busy, I understand that they've got lots to do and lots of t- boxes to tick and, mm-hmm. and they don't want to kind of just have another thing to do and think about but if they want to be inclusive then they have to so i've written this guidebook to just guide gently guide and give different ways and means of just allowing vegan inclusions to be to become natural you know a natural part of a classroom
1: it's I, I think I, I think your your book for it, it seems to be uh, very similar in the where we were maybe 10 years ago we in education from where, where we were saying, you know, we're not trying to cancel Christmas, but we are trying to teach about other religious events as well during the course of the year. And of course, it took a long while for yeah. education and parents to catch on to the fact of oh we aren't just, you know, studying one particular religion in school. We might be studying a range of of, of children's different experiences. And I think this is where what you're saying is is coming in. Is that actually? It's, it's about it's always coming back to that word at the moment, empathy, and about understanding. You know that other people have different perspectives in your classroom.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. It absolutely is. Yeah, I mean, I can remember um, when I was this the Senko. We had a staff meeting, and um, we were learning about the children in our classrooms who, um, for various different reasons, had um, had issues with sight and we had to wear goggles so that we could literally see the world through their eyes Mm. these goggles were blurred to various degrees and and i remember just that thinking you know this is a really really good way to look at the world through somebody else's eyes to actually literally be doing it and and now i genuinely know what these children can and cannot access on a whiteboard, and 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 it's just stuck with me that you know Each individual has different values and and different ways of looking at the world. And whether it comes from being raised vegan or being raised Jewish or both you know it's up to the teacher to really understand those children and and you know if you are a really good hard-working inclusive teacher which most are then I just don't see any reason why you wouldn't want to learn more about your students Mm. and 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 be able to make lessons um you know better because of that and more accessible
1: it's not extra work it's part of the job. Right. Uh, yeah. well we're, we're just going to have to t- t- just I'm, I, I could talk to you all day about this uh but we've we got we're going to take a, another break and uh, and when when we do you've chosen very wisely anybody who listens to this show on a regular basis knows that we we have as much doses of kylie minogue as we can possibly fit <laughs> into into three hours of, of a music show uh now the, which which kylie track have you gone for
0: I've gone for dancing and um, this is my daughter and I Lois this is our favorite song to dance around when we're cooking together in the kitchen Brilliant. Um, and and I just think it rings true with the moment with this lockdown again because when I go out I'm gonna go out and I'm going to dance 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 when I can do so yeah this just seemed like the perfect song
1: it's gonna be the world's biggest party right here's Kylie
0: please log in the information
1: requested The frequency. 104.7. The area. Rossendale Valley. The station. Rossendale Radio. You're tuned in to The Waffle Hour with Paul Jenkins. Uh, we are coming up to our final part of our interview this afternoon with Laura Chepner. Uh, now, of course, Laura's been talking uh, about her background and about her campaigning background, about how she ran a vegan restaurant in Ramsbottom for a while. Uh, and then moving on from that, she's then started Primary Education and has created a brand new resource for teachers uh, that's now available online and is going to be released in print form in September. Uh, now, Laura's uh, going to be talking in more detail about that now, but we also touched upon uh, obviously being stuck in the house at the moment about how we go about approaching reading with children you're listening to 104.7 Rossendale radio this is the voice of the valley and i'm paul jenkins and i'm joined for our final uh, part of our interview this afternoon by laura chepner laura um we've been uh, we've been talking obviously about your book uh, and we talked about all of your your background now I'd love to focus, if I can, on the fact that you used to be a teacher, um, and you, obviously that means that you're you're steeped in a whole bunch of uh, sort of experience with regards to children's books and reading and and getting kids engaged in reading. It's, uh, I mean, one of the one of those things. I mean, and now you find sort of during the lockdown, we've all become teacher parents, haven't we? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I've stepped back into the classroom. It's been quite fun, actually, for Cla- me. Uh, class
1: sizes are a lot smaller than they used to be, I found.
0: Yeah, but luckily for me, my daughter loves learning.
1: <laughs> right.
0: It's great. I almost sometimes feel like we're in Ab Fab where she's the daughter who's really sensible and wants to just go for it, and I'm looking for the red wine occasionally. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> needs must, and we are having fun. So what sort of things have you
1: been up to, particularly in relation to, to any books that you've been reading or anything like that
0: well we um we've been really enjoying the um little people big dreams collection oh i've not heard um, this, this are they're absolutely amazing and um, it's a bunch of books i think there's about 20 or 30 of them aimed at children um and they are the um biographies of really inspirational people around the world but oh, predominantly wow. women okay um, so we've got Audrey Hepburn, Vivian Westwood, Rosa Parks, Marie Curie—just loads of brilliant, brilliant people. Um, and the one that my little girl, she's six, she can't get enough of is um, learning about r- votes for women um, and the suffragettes. And she's just, she's just really, really getting behind it. And the, the, <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah, we're just really like taking this opportunity to learn. And Emmeline Pankhurst has come out on top. Well, that's that's brilliant because, of course, the moment that you get
1: outside, as soon as you finish dancing to Kylie Minogue, uh, you can go straight to Manchester and and take her to the to the statue.
0: Well, she's seen her, ah, yeah. Right, we, we we went we went, before, yeah. Um, I think that's kind of what really spurred it on. Initially, it was a little bit backwards. We saw the statue, mm-hmm. and she asked, "Who's that, mummy?" So. Um, when they make one of Victoria Wood, because we, uh, we went to see the one in Bury recently, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> we'll get that one as well. But, yeah, so she's just loving those books. And they're really great because they show you little snapshots of history. Mm. Um, what it must have been like to live in those days and and kind of you know it really inspires little people like her to think when i grow up i can be whoever i want to be and do whatever i want to do so they're a really great series i
1: think there's a really rich vein of children's literature available now isn't there i mean i i, I remember when i was uh, reading when i was younger it was it was rodile or nothing that was essentially what what i grew up on um i don't know what was what, what are your memories of reading as a child
0: do you know, as a child, I didn't really enjoy picking up a book to read for pleasure, but I could listen to my mum all day long. Yeah. And, and Roald Dahl, Roald Dahl was the one. I can always remember George's Marvelous Medicine and The Witches. Um, they stand out to me. But I think because we're of a similar age and ilk, with yeah, it was Roald Dahl or nothing. Um, yeah. But as I've grown older, um Um, It just tends to be geopolitical books (laughs) (laughs) or, or, you know, Michelle Obama kind of autobiographies, um, Bill Bryson. But, um, yeah, just learning about Britain's monarchs as well. That's kind of exciting. It is. Yeah, I think I... (laughs) we've
1: yeah. uh, we've we found when we've been with sort of, sort of talking books with people uh, we, we actually had a, a segment a few weeks ago where we we spoke to the other presenters at russendale radio and just to, just had a chat about what they were reading and and just between three different presenters all of which uh sort of uh, have, have sort of uh, similar interests in life uh, one was reading business textbooks one was reading crime fiction from the 70s and the other one was reading a <laughs> self-help book and we we realized that we've just got such a diverse <laughs> reading boom. habits between us
0: it's absolutely brilliant my Um, husband reads a lot of murder mystery crime uh,
1: this is the thing i think everyone has something they tune into don't they there's 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 just a a, a, a kind of hook for everybody a read like you say read that words those words reading for pleasure which we we yeah. forget an awful lot did how did you find it as a teacher when you were trying to inspire children about books was it, because obviously we, we have no we know there are some children that come from non-reading families what's the what, what advice can you give for parents who who might be looking at their children going oh they're just they're not reading what can we do
0: it's a difficult one that because i do remember being the kid who would switch off when we were supposed to read Mm -hmm. um, quietly. I think one of the tricks that I used to use was the No, um, I would always sit in front of the class during quiet reading time Mm -hmm. and I would read myself almost as if to kind of be the example. Look at me. And and I would laugh, you know, you know that probably about 25 percent, maybe more of teaching is acting also Uh, (laughs) when 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 you're in the class. One of those many hats. And I would sit and I would open a book and I would laugh and I would I would giggle to myself and I would. And towards the end of reading, I would put it down and I'd kind of mumble to myself, oh, that was just sensational. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'd only had about 10 to 15 minutes, if that. But mm. just, just to kind of, you know, if they see you enjoying reading so much, then they might be inspired by that. Yeah. Um, so I, I leave books all around my house, half on purpose, mm-hmm. half just because it's nice to have a book wherever you go. Yeah. And she sees that... Um, I, I don't know. I'm not quite in the Kindle generation yet. I don't think. It's, I don't think I ever will be. Really, it's funny, um, you know.
1: Even though the, that's at the 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 touch of everybody's fingertips now, I, I think even I think those people that that like ebooks books are, are using them. But I think actually that the, there's I think the um, publishing wise, I think hard copies of books the, the the sales are continuing to rise, despite the fact that we should, according to all the predictions, yeah. we should be stopping that by now. It's amazing.
0: It is good, and I think as well just having the ability i mean technology is good in a way for children to have the ability to meet authors and hear authors opinions as well i think you know if a child could listen to david walliams then they're probably more likely to want to read david walliams because he's such an eccentric character just to use him as an example um and so i think as well you know always writing letters to authors and getting authors such as yourself to come into school and bring words to life i think i think even the most reluctant Kid will probably get a bit excited about
1: that. Some well, idea. Well, while we're while we're very quickly on the subject of books, and before, um, sadly, we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to wrap up in a second. Um, but uh, if people wanted to get hold of your book, Laura, whereabouts would they head to?
0: Um. So it's on Amazon. Um, my publishers are based over in America, so I think postings um, in this country um, aren't going to be up until kind of beginning of September, which is ideal because it means well the ebook is available now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it means that whilst teachers have this time to themselves and they want to better themselves,
1: because <laughs> that's what teachers do—they exactly. always want to
0: better their practice,
1: continue in um, professional development.
0: <laughs> exactly, and CPD is available to them on Amazon as we speak. <laughs> Um, yeah, basically. So, I mean, the book was written for teachers. So it really is a really good opportunity if you are a parent of vegan children or if you're just a teacher who wants to learn about it and why it could bring, you know, a really happy ethos to your classroom if you were a vegan inclusive, um, then, yeah, go to Amazon and you can either read the ebook straight away or pre-order a copy which is over the Atlantic somewhere now. And just remind us of the title again. It's called Veducated, mm-hmm. an educator's guide for vegan inclusive teaching.
1: That sounds absolutely perfect. Well, we're going to uh, wrap up. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to go out to a bit of Al Green. Which, uh, which Al Green track have you chosen?
0: let's stay together Oh,
1: from now where where, where have you do you know this uh, from, from context of because for me this is this is that scene in pulp fiction <laughs>
0: <laughs> pulp fiction is one of the best films <laughs> in the world and it is when i fell in love with this song and it has since the day i saw it in pulp fiction remained my favorite song of all time ever so i had to go out on this one
1: well it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you laura and uh, what a great way to finish with al green So there we go. We come to the end of another Waffle the Bite Size podcast. My massive thanks to Laura Chepner for coming on the show, chatting about all the things to do with her new book, her teaching career and of course, any recommendations she's got for people who are stuck at home at the moment and looking for brilliant new books to read. Uh, We'll have another guest for you next week. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. uh, Keep at home during the lockdown and we'll be back with you on another Waffle the Bite Size podcast next week. My thanks go to Lee Ball and Melanie Kemp for their work on Waffle the Bite Size podcast and of course, our colleagues at Rossendale Radio for allowing us to broadcast on a Sunday afternoon. See you all very soon.